I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Bring, bring it Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, this is not just a club update, which, of course, we will be pushing out here over the next few days and have done uh, some great ones already. Instead, this is going to be me and Dave Hendrick, who you may recall, going through all 20 uh, Premier League teams and breaking down their seasons, hitting them with a letter grade on the way out. The first 10 uh, will be... On this channel, the second 10 will be on uh, Anfield Index, uh, and I assume on the another podcast uh, that Dave hosts. Uh, we'll get a little more into that later. But Dave, absolute pleasure having you on. If people want to find him, he's at Dave Hendrick underscore. You can also find all of his content at Anfield Index and Anfield Index Pro, which is definitely worth the price. Dave, great having you on. We'll lead in with Arsenal because we follow the Arsenal first alphabetically, not AFC Bournemouth first alphabetically. Um, for me, I thought Arsenal... Uh, had a fairly disappointing season, obviously, ended in the Wenger departure. Uh, very much feels like an internal sacking, like they finally decided that they needed to move on because it sounds like he's not ready to hang up his boots. Um, the attack looks great now. I thought the purchases of Aubameyang and McTarian were fantastic, but uh, they're still too front-loaded. The, the defense still leaves a lot of questions to be asked. I'm really interested in the managerial search to see what happens next, but for this season, I'm giving Arsenal a D. Uh, what did you make of their season, and who of the kind of primary targets, Arteta, Allegri, Rodgers, would you think is is the best fit there for Arsenal? Um, well, of those three, Allegri is the clear choice. Um, Arteta has never managed before. How Arsenal could consider giving him the job is beyond me. Um, they shouldn't touch Rodgers with a 50-foot pole. Um, Allegri is, is levels and levels above both of those. If they want to go outside the box, maybe Fonseca from Shakhtar Donetsk would be a good pick. Has European experience, very talented manager, good good tactician. Mm, Used sounds to like he turned down West Ham today. Yes, it looks like he's turned down West Ham. He wants a bigger job. Um, and Arsenal is obviously a bigger job. It's one of the, the biggest jobs. And with, with respect to, to clubs like Spurs and City and Chelsea, I believe Arsenal is one of the top three jobs in the country along with Liverpool and Manchester United because they're the t- traditional three big powerhouses of English football. I know the game has changed, but I still think that Arsenal job is a glamour job. I think it carries a lot of weight. <clears throat> um, in terms of their season, Kev, it's it's really a season of, of two teams. Their home form is spectacular and they've been very, very good. Their away form has been absolutely pathetic. Um, you're completely right with what you say. The defence is a shambles. Bellerin cannot defend. Koscielny has always been overrated and has taken a noticeable dip from that. Mustafi is terrible. And Kalasnik, who was supposedly going to be you know, the next Roberto Carlos or something like that when they got him, um, has not impressed. And they've played Nacho Manreal for much of the season. They need an entirely new back four. They need a new goalkeeper. 
they need at least one central midfielder. That's an awful lot for one summer for any manager. Um, I would give them a, a D as well based on their Premier League form. I think a C overall when you factor in they had a good run in the mm. Europa League. But yeah, and they were never going to beat Atleti. Like they shouldn't be knocked no. for not beating Atletico Madrid. No, Atletico Madrid are one of the top ten teams in Europe. Just because they're in the Europa League doesn't change that they finished second in the Le- are they going to finish second in the Liga this year again? Um, Arsenal have just had a very strange season, but there is promising signs. Look, Lacazette is a fantastic player. He is going to be better next year. Mkhitaryan is a fantastic player. He's going to be better next year. Aubameyang is a world-class player, and he's been outstanding since he arrived. And Mesut Ozil has three legitimately top-level attackers in front of him. If they sort out what's behind him and allow him just to run the game like he should, I, I do think they'll be a dangerous team next year with the right appointment, but I don't think that's Mikel Arteta. Yeah, the the talent is there, but as we were saying, especially the defense, and and I think the defense would have been would have looked better if they had somebody protecting them. Um, but Granit sure. Xhaka has not been that for them. No, and and you can't rely on Aaron, Aaron Ramsey to do any of that as well. Yeah. Um. So they need the primary thing needs to be they need to go and buy at least one really good centre back and a good holding. Which is not Socrates, got, by the way. No, it's absolutely not. Look, if they went and bought Costas Manolas from Roma. He's got a buyout clause, they believe, is in the low 30 millions. And they bought William Carvalho from Sporting Lisbon. Again, you'd probably get him for around the same mark. That's 60 million. And I believe with their attack, and you could get away with Bellerin and Kalasnik as fullbacks because both are pretty good going forward. The other need then is a goalkeeper. Say they bought, just say they bought Nick Pope from Burnley as just a name off or the top of my head. Either one, whichever or, one they Or Tom like Heaton, or Jack Butland even, because be- he'd be better than Czech at the moment. But I would go for Nick Pope. You might get him for 20 to 25 million. Now, I know 85 million is a lot of money to spend, but this is Arsenal. There is money there, and they have players to sell. That, for me, would put them back in the mix for top four. A good goalkeeper, a good centre-back, and a proper holding midfielder. With what they have in attack, with the other midfield options, you mentioned Xhaka, I said Ramsey, Jack Wilshere will likely be back there next year as well. They've got some decent depth, Rob, Rob Holding, Callum Chambers, Nacho Monreal. Um, there's a decent squad there, but if you add those three positions, and again, like for Arsenal fans, I'm not saying they're the limit of what you can get. You could maybe target better, but Nick Pope has been spectacular this year, arguably the second best keeper in the league over the course of the year behind De Gea. That may just be because of the system or whatever, but he's been brilliant. He's very young. He's only going to get better. Manolas is an established top-end European centre-back. And William Carvalho is one of the best holding midfielders in the world. You add those three things, and this Arsenal team, with that attack, is very, very capable of going on a run, especially given no Champions League next year. New manager might come in and say, look, we're just going to bin off the Europa League. We're going to play our kids. kids. We're going to play our youngsters. We're going to develop. And that's what Arsenal need to get back to doing as well. Kev, they need to get back to developing young players. How many Arsenal youngsters have we seen walk away from that academy in the last four or five years and go elsewhere? That's a worrying trend. I think the sacking of Wenger is the right thing to do. Um, I think they've done it the right way and they've allowed him to come out and say it's his decision, even though we all know it's not. But he's been given the respect of being allowed to leave on his own two feet. Um, I hope that, you know, as time heals some wounds... 
um, fans will look at the Wenger era in more of a complimentary light. I think he's been incredible. Even the last 10 years that he's kept them top four for the majority, won some FA Cups, had a couple of decent runs in Europe. All in all, with no money to spend because he's been, he, you know, he helped them build the stadium. I think it's a hell of a job that he's done there over the last 10 years, let alone the amazing job he did in the first 10 years. Agreed. Um, next up is Bournemouth. Uh, for me, I, I hit him with a C. I think they had a pretty phenomenally average season, but credit to Eddie Howe for preventing any relegation threat again. I feel like that's last year they weren't really ever under threat either. Um, I thought the defense would be better. I thought them getting uh, Ake and, um, oh my gosh, Begovic both in, I thought was really going to fix them. Because remember, they, they were fantastic at the start two seasons ago when they had Ake mm. and then he was recalled. And I was like, oh, look, they, they just did it permanently. It'll be great. And then it wasn't, um, which I think is a little concerning. But there's a lot of talent there. Uh, like I mentioned, Ake, Lewis Cook is going to be very good. I think Ryan Fraser has slept on a lot because of his size. Um, and Jordan Ibe, I, I think, uh, showed glimpses there down the back half of the season after they lost Stanislaus um, that he can develop into the player we thought despite kind of a slow start at the cherry. So, yeah, it's a it's a C for me. Yeah, I'd go along with that. Um I think when you concede 61 goals, so you do have to ask questions, and it shows yeah. where their money needs to be focused this summer. Um, there's definite need. There's definite room for improvement and need for improvement. But, I mean, look, they they can look at that and say, well, look, goal difference is all they kept us out of the top half. And that's, for a club like Bournemouth, with probably a, one of the smallest budgets, certainly the smallest stadium in the league, um, that's a hell of an achievement. Like you said, they weren't in the relegation battle all year. They had a very comfortable season, and it, it's credit to Eddie Howe. I think he's done a, he's done a brilliant job, and it, it's a shame if he'd had done maybe a slightly better job. Say if they'd won two more games and finished eighth, um, which is again all they were from finishing eighth was six points. Then maybe his name will be getting chucked in for the Arsenal job yeah. because I, I think Eddie Howe is a manager capable of a step up. Now I don't think he's capable of the Arsenal job. But he it would at least be nice to see him in the mix. Um, certainly need to improve in their defence. They could do with maybe adding another goal threat. I think that's something that let them down last year was in front of goal. Promising signs from Jordan Ibe, as you said. Um, if they can just give him consistent games, I think there's a real player there. I genuinely do. watched him for a long time at Liverpool. There's, there's elite levels of talent there. It's all about consistency and motivation with him. Yeah, I'd certainly agree. Uh, next up, Brighton, I'll let you take the lead on this one. So I, I'm going to give them an A, Kev. Yeah, me too. I, I thought they were going down before the season started. We we both said it. Um, we did a preview of the season. I think we both mm-hmm. said Brighton to go down. Um, it was a, a little bit hairy towards the end where they were scraping for points. But in the end, you know, fairly comfortable. Seven points off the drop. So... I don't know what more you can ask for. I think Chris Hewton has done an incredible job. Um, and while there should be no conversation for manager, manager of the year, it should be Pep Guardiola. I certainly think Chris Hewton deserves a huge amount of credit for the job he has done there. Um, and his players have been excellent. Pascal Gross is certainly in the mix for signing of the season. Yeah, he was certainly a, a great signing. And Brighton did it with their defense. And I've said this before. Um, when people bring in the, like, Usual British managers, by the way, uh, Allardyce and um, David Moyes, both moving on from their current clubs, uh, Everton and West Ham respectively, (laughs) although historically uh, they were the other ones. Um, 
I like to think that managers need to have something to fall back on when things mm-hmm. don't go well. And for Houghton, it was emphasizing the defense. And again, they had a top 10 defense this season. I think that was really their core. And then, you know, they got enough goals from Glenn Murray um, and enough good performances from Gross to to beat the drop. Um, they got results when they needed them. And I think that's that's a very creditable thing. This is not a particularly good squad for me. I think this is very much more about kind of team philosophy. Um, but they, they perfectly managed it. I don't know where they go from here, to be honest. Um, pe- I think you could see them developing into into a Bournemouth level where they can be consistently in that sort of 11 to 16 range. Mm. Um, they'll do it the other way from Bournemouth. Bournemouth do it through, you know, playing good attacking. football, yeah, yeah. attacking. Um, I think Bright- Brighton, look, don't get me wrong, Brighton played decent enough football, but their strength, as you said, is the defence. The only two teams in the top half of the league this year um or sorry, the, the 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 only teams that conceded less goals than them are the ones in the top half, and even Leicester conceded more goals than so did Everton. So, um, a, a definitely a, a good defense, things to build on. Um, I think they made some clever signings last year. I think they'll have to be clever again. They'll have to shop the European markets because they can't compete, um, you know, financially with the with the you know the money that's required for Premier League players. Um, again, similar to Bournemouth, I think. Two peas in a pod there, um, Bournemouth and Brighton. And it's great to see them in the Premier League. I, I lived in Brighton for a number of years. I was used to go regularly. And um, great set of fans. And I'm just a big fan of Chris Hewton. I think I think the jobs he's done at Newcastle and, and, and Birmingham and now at, at Brighton, he, he can count himself unfortunate that his name has never come up for like an Everton um, or, or even a West Ham job mm. where there would be more money to spend. Yeah, I, I obviously w- with the Tottenham ties also like Chris Newton mm. and think he's done a very admirable job. Although I think it might be kind of like Dice, where anybody further up the table wouldn't really want to sign on for that ethos or play style. Um, but uh, I think obviously he's done a fantastic job. Mentioning Dice is a perfect segue here into Burnley, uh, who for me I'm I'm also giving an A. They had an incredible season. I had them going down in my preseason predictions, and I will confess to you, Dave. Hopefully nobody's listening to this. I had them going down in 20th, um, which yeah, now looks... Yeah, I mean, it was hard to see them staying up, Kev. They, they lost their best defender and their best goal scorer. And, and didn't really replace them at all, but they did replace them because Deshaun Dyche School of, of centre-back training um, <laughs> has produced James Tarkovsky, who, did, who looked at what Michael Keane did and then took it to another level. 39 goals conceded over the course of the year. That's phenomenal. Now, the problem is that he scored 36, but 39 mm. goals conceded. And people can put it down to the style of play and whatever they want. To do that with that budget <laughs> and that yeah. group of players is phenomenal. Um, absolutely, it's an A. Or Burnley Football Club will be playing European football next year. Yeah, they are. That is incredible. If They're you goalkeepers in the England squad. Exactly. And James Tarkowski should feel very, very cheated that he's not in the England squad. Um, I, I think I think James Tarkowski was, was worthy of a shout for team of the year. I thought he was excellent all season. And me was very good. They've got good ball players in midfield. Again, like Brighton, they need to find goals because it won't be sustainable for them to continue to just rely on the defence. Now, it will if they want, if they're happy just to stay in the league. But I think Burnley... 
uh, seem to be a fairly ambitious club. I mean, you know, Sean Dyche is, is staying there for a reason. He could have left and gone mm. elsewhere where there's more money. But they seem to have ambitions. I think he's a great fit there. I think he, he's shown this season that he's not just a long, bold kind of defence first merchant. They have played some good football at times. They just need to find a cutting yeah. edge. Um, Cousin Jeff is a good player. Uh, the young Icelander they have, they're Goodmanson, good isn't Munson, it? yep, Defour. He's very, very good. is good. They've got decent width. If they can just get maybe one quality wide player who can create and unlock a defence and a clinical striker, I, I genuinely think this is a team that can lock themselves into that kind of seventh to ninth mm. battle with Everton and Leicester over the coming seasons. Yeah, um, and, and at those positions, I, I agree with you that they, they could further be strengthened, but I thought the Lennon signing for almost nothing was a fantastic yes. one when they desperately very needed with. And, you, very, and we have to remember clever. that Robbie Brady's about to come back, and Chris Wood played very well in the minutes he was given. I think Robbie Brady will come back and play left back. I think Deutsch likes him there because he can deliver the ball from anywhere. From, from he, Robbie Brady can cross the ball into the penalty area and drop it on a sixpence from the halfway line. Yeah. Or, or he can get to the byline and cross. So Robbie Brady's a very good player. Obviously, he's Irish, so of course he's going to be a little bit special. <laughs> um, again, Chris Wood is Chris Wood is a solid player, but I just I don't think Chris Wood will get you the goals over the course of a season. Um, I think he's the type of guy if you played a two up front, and Chris Wood was your target man. I think he would create a lot of goals for a partner because he's big and awkward and he gets in the way and he he'll fight for everything. Um, I, I've just I've blown away by Burnley this year. I genuinely am. Fifty-four points um, is is a fantastic return. Fourteen wins and twelve draws. That's outstanding. They lost mm. less games than Arsenal. Only two more than than Chelsea, and a lot less than everybody below them. Um, and like I said, thirty-nine goals conceded. There's only five teams in the league who conceded less goals, and that's yeah. the top five. So all in all. 100% an A, uh, fantastic season for Burnley. And, you know, I, I, I wish them the best in Europe next year. I'd love to see them have a, have a good old run in the Europa as long as it doesn't harm harm the league form. Because I'd hate to see them be one of those teams that goes... That chases and does, it and then... Yeah, yeah and then it, it finds themselves scrapping relegation at the end of the season. It would undo an awful lot of good work that's been put in there. Definitely agree. And I do agree with Chris Wood. He may be more of a uh, squad forward than, than a leading forward because I, I think what Brady and, and Wood and Goodmanson bring to them right now is the, this current level of like top, like 10th-ish. Um, but if they do want to push on, they, they, there may need to be some additions. They definitely have to add to the squad just depth-wise before going on their European adventure or they could be at risk of what you say, of kind of pot committing and then really struggling in the Premier League. But I, I fully believe uh, Sean Dyche can figure it out, although he does prefer smaller squads, as Jamie mentioned on our Burnley it's update. It's true. It's um, true. He prefers so. a squad he can rely on. Just a quick shout-out to Ben Mee. If you're really asking for 80 grand a week and thinking you're going to get it elsewhere, just have a quick word at yourself. Yeah, you and also look at what happened to Michael Keane when he left. Exactly. Grass <laughs> is now with greener. Yeah, exactly. All right, next up is, is uh, <laughs> I almost said the first big club, which would have been a not-so-subtle dig at Arsenal. But... Um, Chelsea were an interesting case study this year. Obviously, a massive disappointment, but it's very hard to have a 
uh, season that feels good after you win a title. Uh, I think a lot of people are being very harsh here. I'm just going to give them a C. I don't think it was as catastrophic as people think. I think they were average more than they were bad. Just when you spend that kind of money, you make the kind of moves you do where, you know, you send out Zuma, who we'll get to later, just to bring in Rudiger. You get rid of Matic just to bring in Bakayoko. You get rid of Costa to bring in Morata. Like, not only were you just replacing pieces that didn't need replacing, but a lot of them were arguably worse. Um, but I think the team on the whole were just okay. They had some big moments, unfortunately for you, the win against Liverpool, uh, when they needed it to kind of keep their top four hopes alive, that was there. Um, I, I just don't think this is the top four squad that it should be. I I think they made a, a decided effort to get younger, but they certainly did not get better in the process. Uh, totally understand why Hazard. Not in the short term anyway. Oh, certainly not. And and I totally understand why Hazard is is now hesitant to sign his contract because I'm sure you remember in January Hazard and Courtois were both oh heck yeah we we love to sign on with Chelsea be here long term and now it's like uh, we have a World Cup coming up let's let's see let's see what happens yeah, with Chelsea let's, let's pump the brakes um, yeah exactly uh, yeah. I genuinely think that Chelsea are on the precipice of tumbling down the mountain like I'm not saying that they will but they're on that on that edge right now if the wrong players leave in the summer and they don't get the right manager in like thus far they've been able to band-aid some small issues with money if those wounds reopen and larger uh, things could actually start to get pretty pretty nasty at Chelsea I think yeah I and it, look there's been so much you know speculation about Conte since probably like October there's been talk that yeah. he wanted to go um, there's, there's definitely there's, there's two competing factions at Chelsea, um, and it was it's what cost them Michael Imanello, who was the excellent director of football, who'd been there for a long time, been responsible for a lot of very important and, and really good signings that they'd made. And last summer, you could just tell it wasn't him that was making the decisions. Um, Lots of sideways moves, like you say, selling Costa to get Morata. Costa's better than Morata now. Morata could maybe be better than Costa in a couple of years, but in all likelihood, Max is out about the same level. Um, the same with Bakayoko and Matic. Um, the Zuma Rudiger one made no sense to me at all. Uh, Rudiger for twenty nine million, I just, I just don't see it. I think there is talent there. I think he is a, a potentially good defender, but. Certainly not in a three. Poor fit for the system. Bakayoko, again, not the ideal partner for someone like N'Golo Kante. You you want to give him a more static partner who's going to dictate the play. I thought he looked better when played with Cesc Fabregas than when played with Kante. I think Kante, mm. again, looks better when played with Cesc. Um, Zabacosta for $23 million, an odd signing. Um, like they needed a right wing back for sure, but that's a lot of money for... A decent but again fairly average player. Thirty-five million for Danny Drinkwater was was criminal. Whoever signed off on that should be should be uh, you know sent for a long walk. And then strange moves in the summer uh, in, in in January rather. Ross Barkley for fifteen million. Someone mentioned Ross Barkley to me the other day, and I'd completely forgotten he played for them. Yep. Um, he made it. he very much made the wrong career move because Tottenham Absolutely. would need him right now, and it sounds like Dembele could leave, so he could have been in our starting eleven next season. But exactly. he wanted, well, that, he wanted I the think money in the move. That's the move he was holding off for, though. I think yep. he was holding off for Spurs because 
he's very close with Deli Ali. He's a great fit in the Spurs system. Him and Wanyama with Deli Ali ahead, Deli Ali and, and Ericsson ahead of them would have been very, very good. Yep. Um, <clears throat> Emerson Palmieri for seventeen and a half million was a strange one, given he was coming back off an ACL tear. He hadn't really looked all that good since returning because it takes a long time. They had clearly wanted a left wing back because they were after Alexander for a long time. But again, is is Palmieri better than Marcus Alonso? No. He mm-hmm. might be as good as Marcus Alonso, but he's not better. So why are you spending seventeen and a half million not to improve? Um and, and Olivier Giroud for eighteen million was just again a very strange signing to make. He got them the goals he need they needed to though. I mean But but could, could wasn't Michi, doing it. Could could Michi Batshuayi not have done that? Well, he he also did it. <laughs> Dortmund. You know, that's the thing. Like, I, I didn't understand that. They let Michi go and brought Giroud. For me, you're getting worse there and you're getting older. Yeah. Um, but again, like with the Rudiger thing, like they spent 28 million on him. They sold Nathan Aki for 20 million. Nathan Aki is a left-footed, supremely talented young centre-back who is ideal to play a back three. Rudiger's a right-footed centre-back who's not comfortable on his left foot and hasn't looked comfortable at all. If you're lining up a back three with Aspilicueta on one side and Aki on the other, that to me just looks much better balanced than Aspilicueta and Rudiger. So that was a weird one for me. Um, I didn't like the sale of Chalaba. You sell him for five million to buy drink water for 35. You loan out Ruben Loftus-Cheek to buy drink water for 35. These are moves that just don't make sense to me. Um, Forgetting the sale of Nemanja Matic, which was just crazy, the fact that they let Aki and Chalaba go permanently and loaned out Loftus-Cheek to bring in Rudiger and Drinkwater for a, an enormous you know, deficit in terms of finances doesn't improve you at all. I just don't understand what they're doing at that club at the moment. Um, I'd, give them a, a, I'd give them a D because I think when you have that squad and you have a top three goalkeeper, you have some very good defenders, including okay, actually, Aspilicueta, quick time out. probably the best is defender. He? Before the season now, I'm talking. Oh, Before certainly. the season. Going into the season, you would have said the top three keepers in the league, David De Gea, uh, Thibaut Courtois, and Hugo Lloris. Yeah. I know now, he's had now a huge season. questions have to be asked of both Courtois and Lloris. Of course. And both clubs should probably be looking at long-term solutions. But how much of the Courtois drop-off is down to... The defence in front of him. ...contract speculation, the mess in front of him, the managerial situation. Like, he doesn't know he's going to play for next year. There's too much upheaval at Chelsea. Look how many managers they've had in the last 10 to 12 years. Like, it's, it's insane how many managers they've gone through. And I just think that when you have Aspilicueta, you have Kante, you have Sesk, you have Marcus Alonso, you have going into... Well, what they should have had was Diego Costa, but even Alvaro Morata. And you have arguably the best player in the league in Eden Hazard. Now, I know this season he's not in the conversation, but over the last five years, Eden Hazard has been the best player in England over that entire period of time. For them to underperform like this is Mm. just... Now, I'm not saying they needed to win the league this year, but for them to finish five points off us... Seven was it seven points off you guys? I think so. Um, yeah, and a end. substantial amount, what twelve points? I think off United, who are who? I'm sorry, but are dreadful. Um, I just think that's a massive, a massive underperform with the talent available. 
Um, I just I don't understand what's going on with Chelsea at the moment. And if I was a manager, if I was if I was Sarri, for example, and I was considering leaving Napoli, I would not leave it for that Chelsea job because, like I said, there's two warring factions there, and Marina, whatever her name is, who's like Roman's, you know, do it all sort of super exec seems to have her fingers in too many pies and seems to have too much input in player signings. Imanello's gone, so there's no buffer now. I mean, Antonio Conte is one of the best managers in the world. Yeah, uh, He won the league last year and they're shoving him out the door. Jose Mourinho won the league and then they were 12th. And now I know Mourinho has a habit of messing things up for himself, but again, there's something that wasn't right there. And you go back through the list and Ancelotti and Scolari and you know, Di Matteo and Villas-Boas and Benitez and everybody that's been there. And there's just there's something that doesn't sit right with, with Chelsea Football Club. And I, I just think they all have to take a long look at themselves this summer and think, like, what, what are we all doing here? Is it that the stadium, and the financing of the stadium has taken focus and they need to, you know, tighten their belts and lower the budget? Because if that's the case, that's absolutely fine. But again, stop getting rid of your th- three of your best young players, Aki, Chalaba, and, and Loftus-Cheek out alone. And at the start of the season, to- if we're playing that game, Zuma would have been involved as well. Of course, yeah. Zuma should have been there. Uh, this, and, you know, the, the fact that Dom Solanke was allowed to go for nothing. Yep. Um, the other striker, Tammy Abram, mm-hmm. like, why was he on loan? Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you clearly had need for strikers. Why not keep, keep your own strikers? Chelsea have so many players out on loan now. It would take us the rest of this podcast to list them all. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's again, that's weird. Like, I don't understand why they have so many players stockpiled that they're not using them. Either sell them, bring the money in and invest it in players that are going to help you, or use them. Yeah. Stop this continuous. Like, they've got Thomas Callas, who's been on loan for about 14 years now. Marco Van Ginkel, I saw a video recently of Chelsea fans talking with the team next year and saying, oh, well, Marco van Ginkel will be in the midfield mix next year. I've forgotten <laughs> he even played for them. It's been that long. Yeah. But the last you time know? we saw him in the Premier League, it was at Stoke, if Stoke, I Stoke, yeah. Right. There's loads and loads and loads of talent at Chelsea. And there's loads of really good players that maybe aren't good enough for them, but that they could sell and bring in a lot of money and invest that money in the team. So if it is a case where... Roman doesn't want to spend too much money in the team because he's got to worry about financing this new stadium. That's absolutely fine, but use the assets you have and turn them into capital and then turn that capital into players that will improve you. You don't need a whole lot. This team, by and large, won the title last year. Um, There's there's definitely talent there, so you've just got to figure out what you need to add to it and what you need to take away and who's expendable and, and... I don't know, it's it's just a very strange situation. Yeah. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Assuming Who they appoint as manager is a huge one. Yeah, assuming that you agree with me on my precipice thing, do you think that they'll be able to recover from where they are or do you think they, they could kind of start heading down? I think they could head down. I think Arsenal could jump them next year. If Arsenal are clever this summer, I think Arsenal will finish above them. Mm. I think the top four could be locked in for the next couple of years. This year's top four... Um, I think it's a huge summer for Chelsea, probably even bigger for Chelsea than it is for Arsenal, because I think Arsenal maybe have hit their bottom yeah, um, and can only really go in one direction. But Chelsea haven't hit their bottom yet, so you know they, they need to be careful. Because if Eden Hazard decides to leave yeah. and Thibaut Courtois decides that he wants to go as well, and then you might get a knock, knock-on effect and, and Golo Kante might fancy going and playing for PSG and... What you know, Andreas Christensen might want there, and they'd finish like eighth. Yeah, in fairness, you know, but that's for them. That's a disaster. Oh, for sure. That's Roman selling up and heading home. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll definitely be interesting to see uh, where Chelsea go from here, and a lot of things pending potential player and managerial departures. Um, next up, we'll do Crystal Palace. Uh, I've given them a B for the total season, although uh, it was obviously an awful start to the season. What was it? Winless and goalless in their first seven, if memory serves, um, under DeBoer, which certainly did not work. Uh, I do think, in theory, that they should have given him more time, but I understand the Premier League and why they couldn't just continue to, to roll out there. I was not a particular fan of them bringing in Hodgson, um, but what he's done with the squad is pretty inarguable. Uh, the fact that they were able to survive such a horrible season from Christian Benteke, I think, is is a huge credit to the squad and, and to Hodgson for figuring it out, just starting to deploy Zaha as their forward. Um, and I, I was, I've just been very impressed by what they were able to do. I think Tompkins developed well. Um, he kind of looked like the prospect he was supposed to be when he was at West Ham. Um, Milivojevic obviously scored a thousand penalties, I think is the uh, correct number there. Um, and I, I think they have a couple of players um, like Andros Townsend who are at the exact same level as the club are. And I think that that is always a good sign. When you're no longer playing the yo-yo game of let's bring in players that are better of us and then they're leaving, you bring in players that maybe don't develop well and then you sell them off. Like, I think Townsend and Crystal Palace are about level. Um, and I, I always think that's really good for the stability of a club. Uh, but yeah, for me, Palace get a B, uh, although that is he- weighted towards the recovery rather than digging the ditch in the first place. Um, they have some decent uh, young players that I think uh, will be really interesting. I thought Bisaka did a decent job when he came in. It'll be interesting to see if they can keep 
uh, Loftus Cheek. Um, obviously, they're, they're, them and Newcastle, who want Kennedy, are both uh, prepared to offer pretty pretty substantial sums to keep uh, those players on loan. And, and then obviously the big shoe yet to drop for Palace is Zaha, who has said he wants to stay. Um, Dave, I know you and I have talked about him in, in the future. Do you think he'd mm. be uh, better served staying there as well? Yeah, I think he would. Uh, well, I mean, like he could go to. The, the problem is the clubs that <clears throat> the clubs the clubs that can afford him. He's not good enough to start for. And the clubs that are better than Palace that he is good enough to start for him and would be one of their better players just can't afford him because Palace are going to want a silly amount of money for him. Um, they've had such a weird season. I think they've, they've been to Boer too early. They've been to him after four games. I don't know what you can really see in four games. I know they hadn't been good, but still, it's it's four games. Um, and like if you look at the results, I know they lost to Huddersfield, they lost Swansea, but they lost to Liverpool and they lost to Burnley. They're, most teams lost at the, in those places this year. Um, Hodgson, Hodgson did a good job, for sure. Um, what they finish, 11th, that's, that's a great return. Um, but, I mean, there is real talent in this squad. I think the biggest blow for them was how long Sacco was out for this year because he is so key to that defence. Yeah. Kelly did very well stepping Kelly in. Kelly did step needed. in very well, yeah. And, and like you said, Tompkins has developed. Um they had a funny season, like they were utterly dreadful until sort of mid-December. I think they'd won one, two and drawn two or one, two and drawn five maybe by like mid-December. So they had like 11 points by I think week 17 or 18. Then they had a great run where they won four out of seven. Then they were awful again. And then they've just ended the season really well. Four wins and two draws from the last six games, five wins and two draws from the last eight games. Um, that's very impressive. So they have they have had two really good spells this season and two dreadful spells this season, the first dreadful spell being prolonged. I think the talent in this squad dictates that they should have finished higher. Um, I think they have the, the talent to be a top, top eight or nine team, but certainly mm. that the bad start hampered them. If I was them, I would say thank you, Roy Hodgson, on, the, on your bike. And I would go elsewhere, but I, I can see why they'll stick with Hodgson for another year. Um, there's a lot of talent in that squad. There genuinely is. And I think if, you, if you're if you being honest, um, they're a fairly attractive club for second-tier second players to go to now. Because if Saha stays, if Sacco stays... They have Benteke. There's some other decent players there. Uh, Mil- Milivojevic, you mentioned earlier on. Patrick van Arnhold is a decent player. Johan Kabay is still a good player. Andreas Townsend is decent. Like, there is a strong core there. Um, Tompkins and Kelly, obviously, as well. So th- there is a core there that can be worked with. And the big thing for them is going to be if they can keep Loftus-Cheek and Fosu Mensa on loan another season... I think there's real potential there for them to make a run at like seventh or eighth next year. Maybe not under the Hodge, um, but the talent is de- definitely there. If we were, if we hadn't seen how this season had played out, Kev, and you had said to me in August before the season kicked off, Palace will finish eleventh, I'd have said that's a C to C minus. They should be finishing higher, but because mm-hmm. of the first sixteen, seventeen games, I think a B is a fair is a fair cop for them. Um, they just they just need to 
if they keep Saha and keep Sacco fit, they'll be fine next year as well. Yeah. Buy a freaking goalkeeper. <laughs> yes. Buy a goal. <laughs> Julian Speroni is not acceptable to be in the Premier League anymore. Wayne Hennessy is not nope. a Premier League goalkeeper. Um, Diego Cavalieri is years past been anything relevant. They need to go and buy it. But Tom Heaton, if Tom Ooh. Heaton is available, Crystal Palace should offer, and I would pay up to 10 maybe 12 million for Tom Heaton because, what is he, 31? Yeah. He's got at least three good years left in him. He's proven to be a good goalkeeper. He would be in the England squad if he hadn't gotten injured and Nick Pope hadn't mm-hmm. stolen on his thunder. So if I was them and I'm looking at, you know, realistic targets for them this summer, uh, Tom Heaton would be one. I would be looking for a right back as well um, if, if Foster Mens is not going to be allowed to stay there. And it's likely United will want him back and maybe send him abroad for a year or, or maybe play him next year because he's yeah. fucking talented, that boy. <laughs> um, I would love to, to see maybe Walker Peters go on loan there. Yeah, that's um, a good shout. That's a really good shout. But yeah, I totally agree. The sort, sort right back goalkeeper. Uh, for me, I'm not even sure I move on Benteke. Like, I, I, no, I, just, I keep him. This was He's so statistically a bad, a abhorrent. Season. Yeah, exactly. Look, the good sign is he was getting into positions to miss all those chances. Yeah, and he missed a lot of chances. Yeah, I think but he, was he was third in missed clear cut chances, and the two yeah, in front of him you know. were Kane and Salah. Like just yeah, because they have the volume. So just keep giving him the ball. Eventually, he'll figure it out. I think they could do with one more wide player and maybe play Zaha sort of just off Benteke regularly as they try as they did at times this year and then play Townsend and one other out wide. Maybe someone who's more of a playmaker on the ball rather than a kind of the pure pace that they have in, in Townsend and Zaha. Um, someone that can maybe just thread that pass. There's, there's certainly just talent in this squad, and you know, like I said, they're they're an attractive club. They're in London. There's good players there. Like, definitely a club that should should be comfortable every season. Um, and they've got money to spend. Like, they don't seem to be shy on spending money. That's the one thing you have to say. They do seem committed to um, to development. Yeah, definitely credit to, to Hodgson and the Palace squad to recover from where they started. Um, next up is Everton. I'm sure you have plenty of words for them. Uh, what did you make of their season? Awful. Absolutely awful. Um, I know they finished eighth, and congratulations. You spent the best part of $200 million and you finished eighth. Um, let's all have a big parade. You, got, you beat Liverpool on away goals in the league. Again, let's have, let's have a big parade. Uh, all in all, Kev, I think David Unsworth um, is the key to their season. Um, took over from Koeman when things were a bit of a mess. And when he was replaced by um, by Large Sam. I know he'd only won two games, but he had gotten them up to 13th in the league. He had settled the squad down. He had sort of resolved any of the issues that were taking place. The, the myth that that Sam took over a team on the brink of relegation and somehow rescued them is, is just one of the most remarkable things. Um, it's just literally untrue. It's completely untrue. They were 13th and they finished 8th. And the reason they finished 8th is because Leicester fell apart. And then you look at like literally the difference between where they finished and 13th is 7 points. Um, West Ham were actually in the relegation battle. 
<clears throat> Watford fell apart, and none of the teams below them were ever going to have a, you know any chance. Uh, Palace finished eleventh. Like Palace's comeback under Hodgson is a much more impressive thing than what Sam did at Everton. And look, I said this on Twitter earlier today. It's very easy for Liverpool fans, especially, to laugh at Everton because they spent all that money. And they spent a lot of it badly, and their fans were going on about being the Merseyside billionaires, how there was a power shift, how Liverpool fans' heads were falling off. How's that working out for you now, lads? Fourth and Champions League final versus eighth and nothing. Um, but the bones of a good team is there. Uh, Jordan Pickford is a good young goalkeeper. In Keane and Holgate, they potentially have a good centre-back pairing if they take time and develop them. Seamus Coleman, before his injury, was one of the two best right-backs in the league. They need a left-back. That's their first big need, is a new left-back, because Leighton Baines is finished. Yeah. In midfield, Gaillet is a good player. Schneiderlin is a good player. They've both underperformed. Although Schneiderlin, basically, if you take, like, 24-year-old Morgan Schneiderlin, and you were like, make the wrong career choice every time you're given two options, it's where he ended up. Of course. Uh, yeah, he, he's completely stagnated and gone the wrong way. But we've seen him be a good player in this league. He is at least capable of being a good player in this league. Um, James McCarthy also capable of being a good player in this league. And if your backup midfield pair were Schneidlin and James McCarthy, if you're Everton, you're okay with that. Like that's, that's decent. They've also got young Tom Davies there, who's a good young player. Mm-hmm. But if they go and they buy a good partner for... Gaia in midfield, and I mean, a, 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 you know, in someone in that forty million pound bracket that they can afford, they have the money, and there's plenty of options around Europe that they could go out and get someone that can actually run a game for them, someone with vision, someone with passing range, um, and somebody that really, fits their youth movement more exactly, than the like split that twenty two to 20, 24 range, not someone in that twenty eight twenty nine range, um, but that that's a, that that could be a good midfield, and then. You've got Walcott, you've got Gilfie, you've got Balassi. Again, not spectacular, but players who've proven they can play in this league and produce. And then you've got uh, Cheng Tuson up front, or Seng Tuson, whichever way you say it, um, who's shown he can score goals in this league. That's the bones of a good team. Not a great team, not a top six team, but certainly a team capable of finishing seventh. And the ceiling for Everton is likely to be seventh. The ceiling for everybody bar the top six is seventh because they're just like we always talk about the financial gap from mm. from United, Chelsea and City to Liverpool, Arsenal and Spurs. Well, that gap is then even bigger to the next group of teams. If if Chelsea, if, sorry, if Everton could go out and spend, like just for example, if they bought Luke Shaw and John Joe Shelby this summer. That, to me, would complete a good 11. Then you can add some depth, then you continue to develop the young players you've got there. You bring back Luckman, they've got Vlasic, Tom Davies, I mentioned, there's the likes of John Joe Kenny. There's a good young, they've got that young centre-back, Daniel Keane, maybe, I could be wrong about that. They bought him from Newcastle last summer, paid about £5 as well. Um, They do have a good young core there, and they have... Decent, experienced players there. And they could build something and slowly start to work their way up and close that gap maybe on Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, etc. You know, bit by bit by bit, rather than trying to just go out and spend a load of money. Because the bottom line is that no matter how much money you have, 
if you're not one of the top six, the top players will not join you. Everton could have 150 million this summer and Barca could say Usman Dembele is, is available. Everton can't go and buy him because he won't go there. They can't buy Christian Pulisic. They can't buy Nabil Fakir. I'm just naming players that Liverpool are linked with at the moment. Um, because those players will not go to Everton, even if Everton do have more money to spend than Liverpool. So Everton need to be clever. They need to look around and go, right, who's the next Usman Dembele? Who's the next Nabil Fakir? Let's get mm. them now. Well, I mean, let's, Lookman let's... did fantastic on loan. Oh, yeah, exactly. That, and that, that's where they were clever. They went and they bought Lookman, and he developed really well when he went on loan because Big Sam didn't know who he was or whatever the reason was. Let him go on loan again next year. <laughs> Continue to buy young players and develop them and use loans to get them games elsewhere while maintaining a solid first eleven with the T- Theo Walcotts and Balassies of the world. And in a year, Luckman replaces Balassi and Vlasic replaces Sigurdsson. And then potentially their ceilings are higher than those two players. And this, you find someone who can be, like I said, the next, whoever the next Usman Dembele is, you go and you find that guy, you stash him for a year or two, and then he's he comes back and replaces Walcott and his ceiling is higher. They have that young... Nigerian striker Henry Onyekura is that his name? Yeah, Onyekura. So yeah, he he looks a real player. So perhaps he maybe he's the guy to replace Walcott. Maybe you need to go and buy, you know, the next great striker and develop him somewhere. Um, and and just look to build slowly. Don't try and take a huge leap when you need to take all those small steps first. They tried to take the huge leap. This We, we spoke about the mess they made of things. Mm-hmm. Davy Klassan, pointless. Wayne Rooney, pointless. You signed Sigurdsson, you signed Vlasic, you signed your number 10 for now, you signed your number 10 for the next 10 years. That's all you needed in that position. Wayne Rooney was a waste of time and Davy Klassan was a waste of money. You could have used that yeah. money much better. And there's where they fell short. Yeah, I mean, they, they bought like they, four attacking midfielders. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, exactly. What are and, you doing? You know, like, they need to do that throughout the team. They need to f- identify each position by one for now and by one for 10 years. Yeah. If you already have the one for 10 years or you already have the one for now, that's great. Like Michael Keane, the center back for now, go and find the guy who replaced him. Maybe it's that young guy they got from Newcastle. Maybe mm-hmm. that's that position sorted. Maybe Holgate is the center back for 10 years, but not necessarily for now. So maybe you go and you buy whoever to play there for the next couple of years. You know, they, they just need to be clever. If Phil Jones is available, maybe you look at him. Mm. Yeah. Um, you were talking about finding these next players. A huge step for them as uh, PSV just confirmed that uh, Marcel Bronze is actually going to head to Everton now. I don't know what that means for Steve Walsh if he'd be sent back down to Chief Scout instead of Director of Football. Not really sure how that's going to work, but if you have Bronze and Walsh Certainly in the same room, you're, you're going to come up with better names than bad ones. Yes, exactly. Look, all you need to do is look at the job that man has done at PSG over the last few years, and it, it's brilliant. And look at their academy. It's loaded with players. Yeah, here's but, here's just some names for people that want to understand what we're talking about. Uh, Jeannie Wijnaldum, Strootman, Andreas Mertens, and Memphis Depay. Exactly. Who's in the academy, yeah. There you go. Like, I mean, there's there's real talent. And you look at what they've done sort of transfer-wise and Onyekuro, Pickford, 
um, Josh Bowler, Vlasic. There's good young players. Mm-hmm. Luckman, you mentioned earlier. There's good young players. Michael Keane is still young. Like they, they have the basis there to progress and get better and better and better. And maybe, look, if they could land themselves, I, I don't think it'll ever happen again, but if they could land themselves in a position where they just got the perfect storm, like Leicester did. Now, maybe not win the league, but maybe they could land themselves second or third one year or even fourth. And then all of a sudden, for that one summer, your market opens up slightly. And then you can go to a, you know, a, a top player. Well, look, we're we're Champions League club, and we're going to, you know, with, with you in the team and with one or two others, we can maintain that because we've got this level now. All these young guys who are only going to get better. Um, a big thing for them is going to be the manager, and I think they should go for Marco Silva. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he is the right fit. I think he plays the right way. I think he wants to give the young players a chance. I think he's a good developmental coach. Um, they just need to ensure his head doesn't get turned because that we saw what happened at Watford. But yeah. like that's the thing to do. Now, from a Liverpool point of view, the thing to do is to go and appoint David Moyes. <laughs> yeah. Go and appoint David Moyes. Give him 50 or 60 million to spend and he'll bring you the best. Because he, he always spends well. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, here's a name they should. Here's a name they should target this summer. James Madison. Ooh. Norwich City. Well, I mean, it's another I know, I know he is, but here's what I'm suggesting. Move Gilfie back. <clears throat> Gilfie's a little bit older now. Yeah. Move him back into the midfield. Okay. Let him Deep use playmaker passing. kind of style. Yeah, and let Gaye do his work for him. Gaye will run and tackle all day. He is basically N'Golo Kante without the chat with the Premier League medals. Yeah. He will run and tackle all day. Let Gilfie sit in midfield. You just played a season with Wayne Rooney sitting in midfield. <laughs> you know, and Gaia carrying his water. Gilfie will do his own work. But sit Gilfie in midfield. Let him run the game with his passing, his vision, etc. He still gives you his set pieces and his long-range shooting from there. Bring Madison in. And all of a sudden, things just start to open up. His movement, his, his intelligence... His goal scoring, his creativity, that's the level of player. And James Madison is a future England international. If Chelsea were willing to sell Ruben Loftus-Cheek, be at the top of that list. Buy him and Madison, play Madison from the left, and Loftus-Cheek is a 10. Hmm. Be at the top of the list for this level of player. Yeah. You know, Look at the England under-21s. Look at the players that are at top clubs that seem to have their path blocked. And go for them. Go and be aggressive. Yeah. You know? um, I, I just want to uh, say, because this is kind of breaking as we're talking about it, that uh, Marcel has been confirmed that he will be their director of football. Not sure where that leaves Steve Walsh at the moment. Uh, the one thing I wanted to touch on with Everton, I gave them a D, by the way, um, was how much weird pseudo-PTSD I got from Big Sam's Trumpian narrative that he was creating for himself that just was not the truth. 
Um, Because you mentioned before this like narrative that he saved himself. He started that. He claimed that he got the 4-0 win that he attended when Unsworth was still in charge. Uh, I think it was Stoke and West Brom. He was like, look at where uh, they were when I came in. They were above us. Now look where they are. And they weren't above them at that time. No, they were well below them. Yeah, like he just continually lied about what was happening. And anybody that was paying attention knew it. And he just kept doing it. And it was very concerning. And nobody called him out on it. Yeah. They all, all, a room full of journalists just sat there with and one like, oh, well, maybe. and the other one in their mouth waiting for somebody to say switch and never questioned these repetitive lies that he has been peddling now for about three months. Yeah. And nobody has questioned it. And there's like literally, I, BBC, I, BBC News flash on Twitter today. Big Sam leaves leaves Everton. And you've got all these morons. Oh, it's a disgrace. They were going down till he took over. They were 17th and Stoke and West Brom were above them. And people send them screenshots of the table the day. (laughs) And they just go, no, no, they were definitely going down. Like, what brainwashing is this? And your reason they are brainwashed is because the media will not call bullshit when they see it. Well, because Big Sam saving them is better for the narrative. It makes exactly. it more likely he'll get another future job. But that that was very concerning and dystopian, and it unfortunately reminded me of my current homeland. Um, but we'll we'll wrap there on Everton. Let's just point out that anyone feeling sorry for Big Sam, he convinced them to give him a three million pound bonus if he kept them up. They were never going down. He also got paid six million prorated. For the season, so yep. six million a year prorated over whatever amount of time. So he's walked away with at least probably seven million, and he'll have been paid off for next year because it was an eighteen-month contract. So he, Sam has earned over ten million for doing a fairly. Assum- assuming he doesn't job. take another job, but yeah, yeah, assuming he doesn't take another job. And as you pointed out to me earlier on on the, the Twitter machine, Kev, his points per game is the same as Unsworth's. Yep. 1.41 so, well, to 1.4. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, and, and Unsworth's played, you know, Watford, decent, Palace ended up decent, Southampton lost to them, they were crap, but um, and West Ham, who, you know, ended the season pretty well. Yeah, and he was and playing some of the younger players, he was playing Davis, yeah. he was playing Lookman, and they're like, nope, Yeah. never mind. Bizarre, absolutely bizarre. Yep. All right, uh, now we will move on to Huddersfield. Uh, I've given them a B plus. They were never good <laughs> this season. I I don't want that to be mistaken. I mean, Wagner did an incredible job, and I think as a, as a unit they performed very well. Draws against City and Chelsea in the last four matches entirely saved their season. But this is a enti- like championship side, top to bottom, maybe Barzanka, maybe Moy. Like this is not a good side. Um, but they did very well no. to stay in the Premier League. They limited damage where they could. Um, and they had a clear idea of what they were going to do under Wagner. And then they did it. It's not inspiring. Um, I don't know if they can buy themselves out of their current situation. Um, but what they did this year was was uh, very impressive. So, yeah, B+. I, I don't know if I saw them play a quote-unquote 
good game all season. Like the good results came from defending, which you know mm. is entirely valid, as we mentioned before. Just stylistically, um, the the better you defend, the better you fare. But they weren't a good defense all season. It just seems like when they needed to, and and it's especially highlighted in the big matches because I think they did it to United as well earlier in the yeah. season. Um, when it was needed, they could just shut down everything, like they did for the last half hour against Chelsea, and get the result, uh, which is certainly creditable. But I, I don't. I would have felt um, like I was tainting the A grade if I had given them one. Yeah, I'd, I'd give them a B as well. I, I don't think they defended well. I think they parked the bus well when needed. Um, very similar to like a Pulis team over the years. If you watch them game to game, kind of action to action, they're not particularly good defensively. But when they just decide to roll out the bus, um, then they can really just deny space and, and, and clamp down and, it, it's a huge credit to them that they've stayed up. Like you said, the, the, the two or three players in that squad that are Premier League caliber players are very much kind of the bottom end of the Premier League. I think Moy is a, a pretty good player. I think he'd do okay to mid, a mid-table team. Um, like I think he'd do well at someone like Bournemouth or even West Ham or Watford. Yeah. Um, but again, Zonka, probably the same, maybe. I don't know. He's not, <clears throat> he's not quite the player he was three years ago a um, couple of injuries and he's just slowed a little bit but I think I think Wagner has done a, done a great job I think I think they left themselves in a really bad spot though I mean they could easily have just gotten destroyed in the last three games uh, City and gone down because they couldn't have counted and, and on got, Swansea losing their last five ex- exactly you know um, so they could easily have gone down, and then nobody would have been surprised if they went down. They've got a tiny budget. Um, they, you know, even been in the championship was was really good for them, given they've traditionally been sort of a League One sort of team. Um, but they've done they've done a great job, and I, it it it's all dependent on this summer for them. You know, they're going to have to recruit really well because they don't have a, a huge amount of money to spend. Um, I think they've got to keep hold of Wagner. I imagine he'll get offers elsewhere, but I think he's a loyal guy. I think he'll stay. Part of me was hoping they'd go down and he might get sacked so he'd come and be uh, Klopp's number two. But um, I'm glad they've stayed up. I'm glad they've stayed up. They're a, they're a good club and uh, definitely a B. And I think, I think it's just that they should be enjoying the ride. And from what I've heard, their fans have been absolutely amazing all season. Mm. So... If, if nothing else, those fans deserve another year of, of Premier League football. Yeah, I, I think they should follow the kind of Burnley route, though, of like not spending too much. And if you mm. go down and you still have this core and you stay healthy, then you have a higher chance of coming back up. But I don't think they should start to spend and think, oh, we're going to stick in the Premier League, because I do not think that that Agreed. is a, a guarantee by any stretch. Um, Agreed. Well, and if you look at their squad, if they did, if they had gone down, Bar Moy. They probably have pretty much yeah. the same, and and Lossel because he might not have stayed. Yeah, and they may have lost like Mooney, but they only played him in like half the matches anyway. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they, they have options. Agreed. All right, uh, we're actually going to wrap here with Leicester, so that we can start with Liverpool on the Anfield Index, as that seems appropriate. And we are running out of time, um, but we'll we'll start with Leicester. Uh, for me, I've given them a C. Um, kind of like uh, Everton. I, I I missed this point because uh, you had many things to say on the topic um but Everton did finish around where they would have expected to finish I mean obviously they spent a lot of money but they weren't going to break the top six so it's just seventh or eighth 
and then they landed there. And for me, Leicester are kind of the same. I mean, Leicester uh, ending the season um, in ninth is about right. I mean, obviously the fan base there has turned a little poisonous since winning the league just because now there's that that's existed, right? You, you don't remove that from the club's trajectory. And so everything since then, as I mentioned with Chelsea, kind of feels like a downer. But that's about that's about where the squad is. Um, I was surprised that uh, they were able to bring through as many young players as they did. Um, a lot of them didn't stick, unfortunately, because they were dealing with managerial stuff. Um, but they finally started giving Gray more minutes. Um, finally brought through uh, Chilwell, who you know you and I had both been hoping would come to our clubs for a few years there before we accidentally both stumbled on solutions. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, I mean, having uh, Maguire come in did a fantastic job for them. Uh, when he came in, and Didi has developed fantastically. Um, hopefully, he'll he'll stay. I think he needs another year uh, of no, performance. No, he needs to go but... to Liverpool. He needs to go to Liverpool. <laughs> Absolutely. Fair enough. Um, but anyway, they started to develop. And then alongside them, I mean, Vardy and Mares had very underrated seasons. Uh, Mares was a bit streaky, but he always has been. Um, Vardy scored 20 goals. I mean, how many people yeah. are actually actively aware of the fact that yeah. there was a 20-goal score that's English? I mean... The only person that's done it in recent memory is Kane and Rooney. And then Vardy somehow snuck in there with nobody noticing. I was saying during the, the Tottenham-Lester match, which was just insane, it was a 5-4, that Vardy has two skills, just two, and it's pace and finishing. And that's mm. enough. For, for a club like Leicester that are willing to play on the counter And how they play, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's genuinely perfect. And I'm very glad that he stayed there. He didn't take the big move to Arsenal when it was offered. I don't think it would have worked there. I think him, him and Leicester are, are a perfect marriage. Um, Schmeichel getting hurt is disappointing. Uh, towards the back end of the season, it kind of caused some, some uh, lacks of clean sheets there at the end where they, they may have done better. But Dragovic was an interesting... Uh, thing is, they uh, they've already said farewell to Huth. Obviously, Wes Morgan gets up there in age, but I think they have a good blend there. I, I think, uh, as I was mentioning before, with Townsend and and Palace, I think Albrighton is a very solid fit for this Leicester side. He shouldn't be starting over Gray, in my opinion, um, just because it's always better to kind of plan for the future a bit. But Albrighton is a fantastic crosser of the ball. Uh, I was a little uh, disappointed with um, oh man, which which Silva. Too many Silvas. Uh, Adrian's Adrian. Adrian, Adrian, Adrian Silva. Yeah, I was gonna say Andre. I knew it was wrong. Um, I, I thought he'd get more minutes after the whole craziness in January. He he started those first like three or four matches after the window, if memory serves, but um, didn't fully stick there, which was a little confusing. Um, mm. But all in all, I think this is a decent side. I think they had a decent season. Um, so just hitting him with a C. Uh, but full credit to to Vardy and Mares, who who uh, kind of carried the team again. Um, but did so much more under the radar this year. Yeah, I, I'd go along with a C. I think, I think they need work this summer. I think they need a new right back. I think they need to go and find a partner for Harry Maguire. Um, I think they they'll they'll need to replace Maris because he's he's certainly going this summer. There's there's not a hope they'll keep hold of him. Um, Vardy, if he has sense, will stay. I think they. There's been rumours that they'll replace Claude Puel. I think they'd be crazy to replace Claude Puel. I think they need to stick with a manager now for a little while and just just settle things back down. There's been an awful lot of upheaval since they won the league. You had, you know, all that nonsense of the player revolt against um, against Ranieri. Oh, yeah. then you had the, they, then you, yeah, they demanded Shakespeare. Then they turned against Shakespeare. 
I think the players have had a little bit too much power at that club. Agreed. Um, and it might be just time to weed out one or two of those guys that maybe are a little bit too vocal about things. Um, because there's, there's definitely young talent there. I mean, look, their left wing uh, is Ben Chilwell and it should be Damari Gray long term. That's two very, very good young yeah. players. You add in Iheanacho up front, um, another very, very talented young player. Yeah, I forgot about the young core. Yeah, fantastic. You know, and Didi, as you said, in midfield and Harry Maguire. So all of a sudden, you've now got five young, talented guys who have high ceilings. And then, you know, the rest of your team, you've got Adrian Silva, as you mentioned. There's definite, there's definite talent there. It's just about finding the way to fit him in. Um and getting the most from him. The replacement for Mares will be key. We know Vardy will be the other striker. Um, they need to sort the right side of their defence out. That's a big thing for them. And it look, it may well just be time to move on from Kasper Schmeichel. Because I thought when he did play, I didn't think he was very good. I thought he was pretty terrible last season. Um, I think he's a decent goalkeeper. But again, you know, if Tom Heaton is available, Leicester... Go and go and ask because uh, Heaton is better than Casper Schmeichel for my money. Um, a C is fair. I, again, like it, it's funny. There's there's two sets of expectations for Leicester. There's the real expectations for Leicester, which most people have, which is that they will finish somewhere between seventh and twelfth because that's their level. And then there's just this group of Leicester fans. Who, and it's not all the Leicester fans. It to be clear, it's a small kind of maybe thirty percent of the Leicester fans who just have it in the head that because they won the league once, that they should be competing every year, and that anything other than you know challenging for top four is unacceptable. And know your role, stay in your lane. You won by fluke, sheer fluke, the greatest mm. fluke in sporting history. It's you finished twelfth last year, you know. Ninth is it? Ninth is an improvement. Um, you've got, and not only have you gone up in the league, you've done it while blooding good young players and developing good young players. Mm. So, if Leicester can be patient and can be clever in the transfer market this summer and make the right moves, um, I definitely think they're, you know, they'll again they'll be in the mix for seventh next year. Yeah, I would have given them a B had they not just kind of given up on the last two months of the season. Yeah, um, but yeah, yeah, because they, I mean, they should have been, they should have been locked into eighth, challenging yeah. Burnley for seventh for sure, and then they all went on holiday. Yep. Um, which which you kind of understand, but it was disappointing. Uh, my only concern with them keeping Puel is uh, that it's Shakespeare again. That it just kept you from the good managerial market and then leaves you abandoned in like uh, September, October, November time. And there aren't as many options. I, I I don't think it would be bad to keep him on. It's just they have had that recent cautionary tale. But I agree, a little stability would do them well. All right, that will end uh, the first half of this two-part segment. Uh, we've covered Arsenal through Leicester. Next up, we'll start with Liverpool and run all the way through West Ham. That will be over on Anfield Index. Uh, Dave, tell, tell them where they can find you and the next half of the show. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at DaveHendrick underscore. Um, you can find all my stuff on Anfield Index. And Anfield Index Pro, which is our subscribers-only um, section, this will be on the free side of Anfield. Part two of this will be on the free side of Anfield Index. You can find that on Twitter, at Anfield Index. 
Cool. All right, Dave, it was a pleasure speaking. I think we're going to take like a 10-second break, and then we'll be right back recording your half. But it was a pleasure speaking anyway. Lovely. (laughs) (laughs) When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.